Welcome everyone to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Bodcher. Terrific. This episode is part two of Jim Corbett and the Man-Eating Leopard of Ruta Ooh. In this episode, we will be covering specifically many of Jim's failures and missed oh. opportunities to kill the leopard. He's never failed. What are you talking about? Well, Jim is far from perfect, and he does mess up. Interesting. Uh, also, this leopard pulls some real Houdini-like <laughs> escapes oh. on Jim, which Ooh. we are also going to cover. It's truly unbelievable how this leopard escapes Jim multiple times. Oh. Just the circumstances and the coincidences, it's amazing. So we're going to find out all about that. Okay. And I hope everyone enjoyed last episode, part one of the story, which feels like it was kind of a long time ago. It does. Uh, which is, oh, that's on me, 100%. Uh, I've been uh, I've been golfing too much recently. <laughs> it's summertime. And uh, at one point, there was an eight-day stretch, and I went five of those eight days wow. going golfing. Yeah. I keep all my cards. Oh, do you? My scores of it. I have a book full of just this, this year alone. Like, wow. I'm going to go over it at the end of the year and be like, how much did I spend on golf? A lot. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and I, and I still suck at it, but it's fun. <laughs> but I do apologize for the episode not getting out earlier. We uh, we will get the episode or the third part of this story out as soon as possible after this one. Okay. But our last episode was also our 100th episode, Yay! so congratulations to us. Yeah. I never knew we would get to 100. Uh, so it, it's really cool that we do that. Oh, and Dave, uh, next month will be our three-year anniversary. Oh, my goodness. So it's been three years, too, man. That's a isn't double that, whammy. of. Isn't that cool? Great expectations. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll have to do something special for Let's it. Let's do it. Do something for it. Uh, oh, and I have a small announcement. Uh, so at the end of the show, at the end of the story, uh, regarding some new friends of ours. Oh. Another podcast that is, well, quite similar. So uh, we'll do a plug for them at the end of the show. We made, oh, okay. I made friends with them the other day, so we'll, we'll uh, plug their show. They're going to plug us. Uh, I'll do that at the end. All right. But as always, we are joined in the studio by everyone's favorite cheetah, Professor Cheetor. Good evening, gentlemen. I have come to the conclusion that way too many people confuse cheetahs and leopards. Yes, we both have spots, but we are very, very different. In fact, there has never been a recorded kill on a human by a cheetah. We are way too advanced for that man-eating behavior. Plus, I'm told that you humans don't even taste good. I have a very sensitive palate and would never degrade myself to try that dirty, dirty human meat. Good day. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently some animals think we taste good, like this leopard to kill 125 humans. Yeah, that's, that's why cheetahs are safe uh, to have as a pet, but unfortunately they're such jerks you don't even want one yeah they're real dicks these cheetahs (laughs) leopards wouldn't be so mean to us (laughs) all right anyway uh, as always we also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to us Uh, we really appreciate it even with the long pause we've still been doing well on our heads and everything so uh that's awesome thank you and if you enjoy the show something you can do to contribute is go to apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use if it allows you to give a review make sure you give us five stars say something you like about the show Oh, uh, I say this every time. The ratings and reviews actually really, really do help the podcast gain more attention and gain more listeners. Uh, it means more than you think. So please go ahead and do that for us. Yeah. Oh, and also, I'm just going to throw this out there. If anyone is an artist, I, I'm i wanting to get a tattoo. The tattoo I want... Actually, I've got lots of ideas. But the main <laughs> one I'm wanting to get... I kind of want an animal theme going on. But I really want a saber-toothed cat skull tattoo. Yeah. If anybody's an artist out there and you could draw something cool like that, send it our way. Yeah. And I will get it stamped on my body. Well, now you need another one that has a face of a cheetah that says, I am not a leopard, you ingrate, or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's his new catchphrase. I am not a leopard. (laughs) Okay. But um, Dave, what do you say we get going? Oh, I got something. What do you got? Real quick. Um, Katmai National Park. Uh, you know how we do the fat bear Is that the one week? in Alaska? Yeah. Yeah, okay. They've got uh, cameras, and right now it's the the bears are just gorging, you know, oh, getting yeah. ready for winter. So they've got, I, I saw a thing there. They're like, hey, here's a bear's thing, you know, eat salmon, 
lounge around in a in a food coma and then repeat, repeat. you know so <laughs> I, yeah i know that uh, saying yeah so you salmon sleep repeat yeah <laughs> so they've got cameras that that watch the falls the falls are really pretty so yeah i i watched it a little bit today i think i could only see one sitting in like the middle you know looking into it waiting for fish you know so wait did it but did the saying say eat salmon sleep repeat yeah but it was phrased it wasn't just words for each that for would each be a thing. dope t-shirt that would be Eat salmon, sleep, repeat, and then have a little bear silhouette. Yeah. Ooh, new idea. There you go. Mm, have a little force of nature under there. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Maybe a new... Uh-huh. That's actually a really good one. I just, yeah. I, now that you mentioned. Okay, well, we'll look into that more. And then go to the sushi bar with it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, great. Yeah. Now you, you gave us the idea for that. So yeah. that could be a cool shirt. Yeah. Eat salmon, sleep, repeat. Ah. Yeah. I, or eat salmon, hibernate, repeat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that That's good. nice. Oh, okay. Well, new idea for us. Yes. yes. All right. Well, Dave, what do you say we get going All on right, the episode? Yeah. So a uh, little uh, to go over a little bit from last episode. Uh, we learned about the leopard and why it became a man eater. Do, uh, do you remember why, Dave? Um, I'm trying to think. No, God, it's been so long. Yeah, been, okay. So that's fair. So, so Jim believed this uh, large male leopard fed on dead corpses oh, that's that right. was left yeah. from the um, 1918 Spanish flu influenza disease that ravaged the area. And uh, it, it ravaged the world, really, yeah. back then. Um, then once the Spanish flu was finished, the leopard liked the taste of humans so much that it actually continued killing. It actually started killing people and eating them for the next eight years. Mm. In total, racking up at least 125 kills. That's wow. so many. Yeah. And last time we learned that the... Te- we learned about... Remember, we learned about the terror that took over the Ruta Prayag area um, that over that eight-year period. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to put over how afraid the people were of this leopard. They legit thought it was an evil spirit. Wow. And we learned how bold this leopard was. Remember, it would break into people's homes, yeah. remove wooden locks, go through windows in order to get that tasty taste of human meat. And it broke into a barn. Remember, it broke into a barn with 40 goats and one teenager. Which yeah. one did it grab? The teenager. The teenager. Super bold leopard, which, and it would hunt exclusively at night, which is uh, common amongst leopards. Yeah. But this leopard like learned to only hunt at night because that's oh. when the humans don't go after it, yeah. you know. And there was also a curfew implemented, and everyone followed it. Everyone stayed inside at nighttime. Sun goes down, it you're in the <laughs> in the hut essentially. And we also learned that the leopard is a master escape artist and avoided being shot multiple times. However, if you remember, it did get shot um, once. It got shot in its toe. One of its toes got partially shot off okay. yeah the two hunters on the bridge they took like multiple shots at it and one shot like mildly hit the toe oh. and wounded but that, that actually the toe becomes a big part in identification for jim later on oh okay the pug marks yeah okay that uh, makes sense and also it got caught in a trap but none of the hindus wanted to kill it fearing oh. that they would be haunted by the evil spirit if they did remember this oh and so they tried to get a man of Christian faith to kill it, but before he got there, it had escaped. Isn't that what that's that's, that's crazy? That's wild. And then it got trapped in a cave for five days. And when people took oh, off, yeah. when they finally took off the thorny brush at the entrance, it instantly jumped out and ran through a crowd of five hundred people. Isn't that crazy? And it escaped. Yeah, it, it, it's really crazy. So this leopard is a dangerous menace for all the local villager village people as well as the pilgrims in the area that are going to visit the temples remember this is the pilgrim road yeah and dave we love and respect all animals right yeah and leopards are some of the coolest animals on the planet i love big cats they're my favorite but or well, sorry we have no intention to villainize these animals no. right well, no that's not we're just giving what the story yeah but sometimes some animals can be scary monsters. Yeah. And that is definitely the case with this leopard. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it. So I've said before, this was a near 200-page book. 
where I'm getting, I'm solely uh-huh. getting the story from this one book written by Jim. And so I've had to condense and choose the best parts of Jim's story. So there's going to be, uh, in this episode, there's going to be a bunch of skipping around, uh, which is a little different from a normal Jim Corbett story. Okay. So there, there will be skipping around, but I promise I did my best to keep the flow going and have the story be as true and linear as I could. Okay. And so, Dave, if at any time you have a question, just stop and feel free to ask me a question. If, if something's not registering, just ask me. Okay. Uh, it, it, this was honestly one of the most difficult episodes I've had to put together. If not, oh, it's top really? five, easy. Wow. To go through, I think I to go through a whole book and try to pick out, you know, I, multiple readings, and it's I, it's hard. Uh, uh, my attention span is short, so I can only do a little <laughs> bit at a time. So, Jim Corbett. Oh, it reminds me of golfing. Golf. <laughs> golf. I'm going golfing now. <laughs> uh, but now let's properly start the story and meet up with our man. Jim Corbett. I'm Jim Corbett, mother. Actually, Dave, we should do something first. I mean, it has been a little bit of time, but since we're going back in time. Yeah. Let's get back into it. We got to do it. <laughs> we got to hop in it, uh, dust it off a little bit, and let's hop into our time machine. Sometime. Somewhere. So we're going back to 1925. We meet up with Jim in his hometown of Nainatal, where he, he first has definitive news of the Maneater. And Nainatal is like his home base in, I believe it's pronounced Uttarakhand in Ooh. the, um, uh, that's the, it's like the capital, I believe, or one of the major cities in that state of northern India. Matt, I think that was one of your best pronunciations there. You even had the little tongue roll. Uh-rak- no, that's not right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, he had previously heard about it and read articles in the newspaper about the Maneater. He knew that there, but he also knew that there was over 4,000 licensed gun owners in the area and a host of sportsmen that also knew about it. So he kind of like kept it on the back burner Okay. for a long, for quite a while. Oh, and by the way, this story, I think I mentioned it last time, but this story of, of the leopard is one of, if not the most famous Jim Corbett story. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, and it takes kind of it takes place kind of in the later half of his man eater hunting career. Okay. So to to give you an idea of the um Champ- Champawa, yeah, Tigris was his first one. And that was nineteen oh seven, okay. and that was the tiger that killed four hundred thirty six people, the all time record yeah, the, holder. Yeah, yeah. That's weird that that was his first one. Then. Yeah, episode twenty one. Go check it out. That was that was still one of our <laughs> best stories. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so just to give you an idea of the time period in Jim's life, I think he ended up dying in the early 50s. Okay. Somewhere around there. But uh, Jim thought that sportsmen would be falling over each other in eagerness to go and shoot the leopard. But it uh, kind of turns out, once a man-eater has killed over 100 people, not as much enthusiasm to hunt it as you may think. Uh. They're a little, little nervous to go do it. <laughs> uh, Jim returned home one evening to find a letter from a friend of his named Sir William Ibbotson. Hmm, interesting. And he comes up a lot during this story. So oh, remember okay. his name. We're just going to refer to him as Ibbotson. Ibbotson, okay. Yeah. And a little bit about him. He is another sportsman, an English guy, and good friend of Jim's. Been a good friend for years. Okay. And I searched him up a little and found that his original letters, his handwritten letters that he sent to another deputy commissioner recommending Jim be awarded the honor of Companion of the Order of the Indian Empire. Huh. That's a, that's a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, but the letter, this handwritten letter, the real one, was sold at auction just recently. Oh, really? And I believe it sold for 1,700 euro. Wow. Um, the letter is more like a diary, and it's it's very, very cool. I was able to read it. Oh. Uh, no time to really get into it. Uh, maybe a bonus episode sometime. That would be because cool. Because it really yeah. is quite interesting um, how, and how he documented it and everything. Oh. Uh, yeah, that'd be a nice artifact for, just for us. It know? would be. Like, I'd pay 1,700 euro for that. <laughs> put, it, put it in our, uh, the office or yeah. the studio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be cool. I thought about that, too. It's like, oh, I might have bought it. <laughs> But um, it looks, and he he's very he's quite similar looking to Jim. Oh, he's, okay. he's shorter, a little pudgier, not much, but Jim's really quite thin if you remember. Okay. Kind of lean and taller, 
But uh, this guy, uh, he's and a little bit shorter, but he's also got a great stash. Ah, okay. Must- mustache twins. Nice. <laughs> but uh, Ibbotson is posted at Garwall. G A R H W A L. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Okay. Which is right by Rudapriag. Oh. Uh, or at least it's in the same province. You know, it's called the Leopard of Rudapriag because it's kind of like the center of its territory. Uh huh. But it was in tons of other villages. Okay. So just to give you an idea, and the Garwal is actually the most, the largest of the villages in that area. Okay. Yeah, just to give you an idea. Um. So he is the new deputy commissioner there, and one of his first acts had been to try to rid the district of this man-eater. Oh. And Ibbotson basically asks for Jim's expertise to help kill the man-eater. He doesn't even try it on his own? No, he's he, like, okay, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Oh, okay. But he's he's been trying, but he want, you know, Jim's his good friend, Jim's the best. Yeah. So he wants Jim to come there. Uh, Jim decides he will take on the mission. Oh, right on. Uh, he then prepares for the adventure and takes off on a 10-day journey to even get to Garwal. Gee. So, yeah, he he, he walked there, basically. Wow. Him and his men. He has he, he has men with him almost all the time. But. Okay. Uh, in the next chapter of the book, which is Chapter 5, Jim talks about the geography of the region and a bit more about the leopard. So I'm going to quickly go over some of that info for us to give okay. you a, some better under, a better layout of the land type of deal. So in the Garwal and Rudapriag area, there are dozens of small villages. Uh, there are, are cultivated fields, grasslands, and very dense forests. The whole area is rugged and rough with deep ravines and rock cliffs. Ooh. Only two roads that are, exist that, and neither, neither of them have seen a wheel before. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, it's prime leopard territory. Uh, plenty of hiding places and trees for them. Uh, if you remember, leopards are excellent climbers. They're yeah. so good. And this leopard operates in an area of roughly 500 square miles. Mm. And it, it didn't matter if the villages were in cultivated areas or in dense jungle, because the leopard was hunting at night. Nobody uh. was outside. So it, it didn't discriminate on which territories it would hunt. It okay. would hunt people wherever whenever wow and remember this man eater is an oversized male and is um at this point past its prime but leopards are incredibly strong for their size you know and then you, this we uh this this uh, a large male leopard can be over 200 pounds wow and leopards including the man eater are known to carry their victims um, hundreds of yards if not miles to find a comfortable place to eat. Jeez. The geography of this area allows for many places for this leopard. The, the geography helps the leopard be a man-eater. Okay. So uh, hidden and rugged and all the ravines and everything. So it, it it's on it's uh, beneficial to the leopard. Okay. So then in later in this chapter Jim gives the records of the man-eater and how many kills it had each year of its career. Wow. Want to know him? Yeah. So it started its career in 1918. Uh, one recorded kill. Oh, okay. 1919, three. 1920, six. And then 1921, we get a big upgrade. 23. Gee. 1922, 24 kills. Oh. 1923, 26 kills, which is the, the lead, oh. the main one. And then 1924, 20 kills. 1928, eight kills. 1926, 14 kills. Oh, that's a weird. It, yeah, it's weird how they do that. So yeah. that equals 125. Jeez. So, I, I mean, this leopard is a man eater. It's not exclusively eating people. That's not the only thing it feeds on, obviously. Well, but yeah. it, it is killing a lot of people. Yeah. That's so many. Wow. Yeah, it started out slow. Started out slow. In I there, mean, you know? and keep in mind that there, those are the only, only the recorded kills. Oh, okay. Uh, there is no. And remember, Jim suspects that the number is more. We, we said okay. that last time. Jim suspects it's much more. But oh. there is no exact science to keeping exact track of kills, especially back then. Yeah. So it is, It when we say the kills, it is an estimate for the most part. Okay. Um, so Ibbotson was already in the area before Jim and was hunting the man-eater, like I said. In Ruta Prayag... 
One morning, he organized a beat. The, uh, Ibbotson. So this is okay. before Jim has arrived. Okay. Ibbotson uh, organized a beat with over 200 men. Wow. And we remember what a beat is, right? Yeah. Men lined up and banging, being loud, through, banging yeah. drums even sometimes, and just pushing a field or a certain area to scare the leopard out. And so hopefully they could get a shot at it. While the beat was taking place, Ibbotson received word that a man was killed several miles away the previous evening. Ooh. Apparently, it was an exceptional beat that received praise from Jim. It was organized really huh. well and really well done. But unfortunately, the man-eater was just not in the area. Uh, uh, you want to know what happened that previous yeah. evening? Yeah. It's a wild story. So, uh, <laughs> so set it up. Uh, 20 pilgrims. We've talked about the Pilgrim Road and they go up yeah, the temple. So the temple. 20 pilgrims made their way to the village of uh, Badranath, maybe. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I mean, these pronunciations are hard in the yeah. Hindu language. Sorry. Uh, uh, wanting to, So they arrived to this village uh, wanting to spend the night. And they're very tired from their journey. And they asked a local shopkeeper if they could rest if they could rest on what I guess is the deck of the shop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and spend the night there. The shopkeeper said it was not a good idea for the man-eater was frequent in the area. Oh, okay. He suggested that they continue going on. But, they, you know, they were, they've been walking for miles and miles and for days. So they're tired. They want to spend the night. And then a local sadhu, I think is that, S-A-D-H-U, uh, which is uh, a holy man. Okay. Well, you could say a ho- yeah, of a holy man uh, arrived to defend the pilgrims. He told the shopkeeper if he would let the women in the group stay inside, uh, stay inside the shop, uh, the shop, that the that he would watch over the men on the deck. Okay. And he he was a holy man, so you know they have some influence. So they thought he would be able to do this. Uh, the shopkeeper agreed to it and let it happen. Uh, the men slept on the deck with the sadhu kind of sleeping in the middle of them. The sadhu was sleeping in the middle? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'll watch him. Well, he chose the wrong spot. <laughs> oh, serious? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> in the morning, uh, the rest of the men awoke to find the sadhu missing. His bed sheet was found off the deck with blood all over it. Oh, my goodness. The shopkeeper and the other men followed a trail, and they found the sadhu dead, with his lower portion being eaten. No wonder they think it's a evil Crazy, spirit. huh? Yeah, oh it, it really is. No wonder. I mean, why did the leopard pick him? Yeah, the holy man and in the middle. In the book, it says he was in the middle. How, and how did it do it? That's amazing. Oh, yeah. The leopard just must look at it and be like, oh, the juicy inside. That's <laughs> that what I want. <laughs> that guy is the juiciest. I don't want him. But I, I don't crazy. know. Predators have a sixth sense and they can pick people out. I don't yeah. I don't quite understand it, but that's what they do. Wow. Um, oh, also, one thing to remember is Jim doesn't have as much experience hunting leopards as he does tigers. Okay. Leopards are totally different. And he actually believes that they're... Uh, kind of a step above tigers. It would make in sense. some manners. Smaller, in, uh, in, yeah, in some manners, he. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, there's just he, there's something about leopards that's different from tigers. They're, they're just like, they're like ninjas. Yeah, it's just different. Hunting tigers is not the same as hunting leopards. Is basically what he says. But through the course of the book, Jim has several m- missed opportunities of hunting the leopard, and we are going to now focus our attention on those missed opportunities. Okay. And I'll mix in a kill story or two as well. But that's what I want this episode to focus on. It took me a while to figure out that's what I wanted to focus on. Okay. Once I figured it out, I was able to get this get this uh, script going, you know. Okay. Uh, not long after Jim arrived to the Ruta Prayag area, there was another kill. And I believe this is kill number 111. Serious? Wow. So he's, he's got he some more killing to do. Pretty late, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, late, I mean, late, Corbett, very late in the Corbett yeah the did. leopard's career, he went after okay. it late, yes. But 111, he still got some more killing wow. to do. Uh, the leopard killed a pregnant woman. Oh, and from what I read and what I gathered, the woman was sitting on her porch to clean some pots and pans on the night in the nighttime. 
Uh, when the husband heard a loud clattering of pots and pans, uh, he didn't know what happened, but figured it was the man-eater. Oh. That's how, like, they hear something, they automatically think it's the man-eater. Yeah. Even though in this time it was, but, like, it's, it's on their minds so much, like, instantly go to man-eater. Gee. And the leopard carried her away to a ravine where Jim found the partially eaten remains... Oh. Uh, he saw pug marks from the leopard, and they were identical to what he believed was the man-eater. Wow. Remember, like I said, he can tell the pug marks apart. Well, first off, he's really good at doing that. But the, the has that one defected foot, that one from that toe being partially shot off. Okay. It's his left hind paw. Oh. So Jim was able to figure the pug marks out because of this. So that's wow. really cool. And Jim... Thinking the leopard would come back to the kill the next night, decided to sit in a a hayrick is what it's he calls okay. it. Do you know is that where you're hanging up in the tree? You're up in the tree. Yeah, you kind of build like a small little fort, I guess you could say. Okay. In, in a tree, and uh, that so yeah, he had that a hayrick that had built been built about forty yards from the kill. Mm. Jim even made booby traps. Oh wow! With shotguns. Oh my goodness. So he would like, um, he tied fishing lines to the triggers. And if uh, the leopard pulled on the line, it would fire. Oh, wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Uh, he, and he had like all day to do this. So he was able to really pick his spots and really figure out this area. Okay. And so Jim is already and prepared for this leopard to come back, setting Home Alone style booby traps. Wow. <laughs> uh, he even sets up. So he even sets up a large white stone in his immediate background. So he's in the tree looking at the kill. And in the background, he placed a large white stone. That way, when the stone is uh, no longer white, that means the leopard must be in front of it. Ah. With a shadow, right? Yeah. That's smart stuff. Wow. And it makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's uh, he sets up. The hey Rick, and now it's a waiting game. So day turns to night, and Jim is waiting in it. Luck is not on his side, though, as lightning strikes and a storm rolls in, Ooh. covering the moonlight, making the night much darker. Oh, and, and it's starting to pour rain. But he hears a stone roll in the ravine. Oh, the man eater is here. Oh boy, Jim is in pitch black. Uh, dark with rain though and he knows the leopard is by the kill but he can't see good enough to set to get a shot but then the rain stops and the clouds move on giving him a bit of moonlight to see but due to large puddles being formed the leopard is not in the position that jim expected it to be huh and he is obscured with his oh, shot okay and the booby traps were never set off. The leopard oh. somehow avoided the booby trap shotguns. Oh. Maybe the rain. Yeah. You know, with that kind of well, weaponry back Yeah, there, and maybe. maybe loosen the slack. Oh, yeah. So there's many factors that Jim didn't discuss, but who, who knows why. Or it just wow. didn't end up walking in that area. So Jim, he's holding up his rifle, and he's holding it up for a long time. He's getting tired. Holding up a rifle is hard. Yeah, especially theirs with the... Uh, How heavy they were, wood, and it's yeah. all wood and, yeah, and metal. So holding a heavy rifle is hard for a long period of time for anybody. So Jim's holding it, and he's like, I'm getting tired. I have got to put this gun down for a moment. I can't hold it anymore in my arms. Oh, wow. And just as he puts it down, the rock, the white rock goes dark. Oh, <laughs> And just for a brief moment, and he missed an opportunity, just oh. as he's setting it down. This Good meant, figure. this went on for three hours. Him holding it up, putting it down, putting, oh it, my it, up, putting it down. Finally, he has, a, he has the gun up. Finally, the rock goes dark again, and Jim oh. fires a shot. So he can't really see the leopard. He's shooting at a silhouette. Uh-huh. Very difficult, right? Yeah. Jim misses. He misses the shot, and he fails. He misses his first opportunity to kill the man-eater. Oh. Pretty wild, though, huh? Yeah. Uh, after 
the missed opportunity. Jim has the government. And he was very not specific about this, but this will actually play this will play a bigger role in part three. But just okay. remember we're mentioning it right now. Jim has the government send him a special electronic shooting light. Mm. I looked it up and I couldn't figure out what he meant by that. So I kind of have to believe it's kind of like a lantern or some early flashlight of some kind. Okay. Because I believe he attached it to his gun at one point. Oh. So it's like a real early 1925 version of a gun flashlight of Interesting. some kind. But yes, remember he has this type of lighting device now. Okay. After this, Jim decided to hunt the leopard on a bridge um, crossing a river. I don't know if it was the same bridge that the previous two hunters where it got its show tied. Oh, okay. I don't know. He didn't specify that. Well, he spends 20 days on this bridge. Gee. The only thing he ever saw was a jackal. <laughs> oh, wow. 20 days. Gee. Nothing. Just nothing. Wow. And he had several... He, he had several like chapters of the book dedicated to his time spent there, uh-huh. but it's, um, doesn't go with our theme of the episode. So, I mean, it's a lot of cool things. He had a cool fishing story, a boar hunting story, ah. but, uh, it didn't relate to, uh, what we want to do for the episode. So okay. I skipped that part of it. Um, but he, he also, during this time he meet, he meets back up with Ibbotson and discusses a bunch of things, but we are, we're going to skip the rest. Okay. We are going to go to a story from chapter 12 now. Okay. This story is called The Gin Trap. Ooh. So a gin trap is very similar to what you'd think of as a bear trap. Uh, like with the claws, like the sharp teeth of the claw uh-huh. that will um, go into a animal who steps in its leg and trap them there. Okay. So the claws and... Uh, and it's a misleading name for the trap. What? I thought it was going to be uh, gin, as in drinking Just gin. Just tonics right there? Yeah, it's like that's how the wives get their husbands back from the pub. You know? it's a, she got me in a gin trap. <laughs> she got me in a gin trap. <laughs> tell me that was gin. <laughs> that was a weird accent we did, huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it's got the claws and it steps on its leg and that's what it is. But uh, the gin trap was about five feet long and weighed 80 pounds. Big trap. Wow. Very heavy. And you kind of bury it in the ground. But um, so let's continue. The leopard had just killed a cow the day before in oh. a village. And the government actually sent the gym trap and Jim and Ibbotson set it up in the area. Uh, the In the area of the where the cow, where they found the dead cow, okay. where they found the kill. And they used a peg to uh, trap it in the ground, like like we do with a tent or something, you know. Uh, and there's also, a it's attached to a half-inch chain. Oh, okay. So Jim and Ibbotson set up in another hayrick close by to get a shot in a tree, and they sat there waiting for a few hours, both ready at any time. Uh, then finally, they hear roars coming from the gin trap. So it's nighttime. Whoa. They can't see. But they're waiting there, um, just in case, with ready to shoot. But um, gin trap is their main, main thing that they're going with. So they hear roars coming from the gin trap. Jim turned on the electric light uh, that he attached to his gun, and Jim sees the leopard, takes a hurried shot. He shoots, and he is using a double-barreled 450 rifle. Huh. You don't see double-barreled rifles anymore, do you? But that was popular back then. Anyway, he shoots, but he actually... So he shoots, okay? He's got a shot. But he misses, and he actually hits the chain. Oh, my goodness. Holding the trap to the ground. And the leopard takes off running with the 80-pound trap on its leg. What? Isn't that insane? Oh my goodness! Shoots and shoots the the half inch chain, making the leopard separating it from the ground and being the leopard's now carrying an eighty pound gin trap on its leg. Oh my goodness! I wouldn't even think it'd be able to carry that. I I believe it could. Leopards are so strong, but yeah, so it ran off with the eighty pound gin trap on its leg. Uh, Jim fires a second shot along with two shotgun blasts from Ibbotson. 
Wow. Not knowing if they had hit the leopard, they followed the direction it took off. And it's very dark, but they have a lantern as well as an electric light now. Okay. After hearing the four shots, the local villagers got excited and came out to investigate. Uh, So Jim and Ibbotson, they find the leopard. Very weak. None of their four shots hit the leopard. But it is injured from the trap. Okay. They get to point blank range. Jim fires. The bullet goes into the head of the leopard. Kills it. After a few minutes, you got you. You don't know what's going on right now, do no. you? <laughs> After a few minutes, the villagers arrive on the scene, cheering. The leopard Jim killed was an outsized male leopard. But, and a big but, there was something off, according to Jim. Huh. He does not believe that this is the man eater. Oh, <laughs> that's that good stuff. Yeah. Right? Uh, the villagers and Ibbotson believe that this is the man-eater. Everybody thinks this is not this is it. This is the man-eater. Jim is the only one who doesn't. Uh, everyone else is celebrating, thinking that the reign of terror is over. Ibbotson could not convince Jim that they shot the man-eater. Nonetheless, Jim was planning on leaving back to Ninatal the next morning. Oh, he barely got going the next morning. You know, he, he's like, maybe it is. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. So he's leaving the next morning. And while he's uh, preparing to leave that next morning, uh, some nearby men from a village find and meet up with him. They tell him a woman had been killed oh, last boy. night in a village a mile away. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so, good stuff. Yeah. Huh? So how could he not tell if it was with the with the he toe? Just, he just didn't think that this was the man. Everybody else thought it was. And, you know, he's trying to convince himself one way or another. Did it have the messed up toe? He, he never said in the book. Oh. But obviously it didn't because uh-huh. it wasn't the man either. Maybe the trap was on that foot and you couldn't tell. Possibly. Couldn't tell. There's, there's a lot of things. But uh-huh. they ended up killing the wrong leopard. Oh, boy. Wild, huh? Good yeah. stuff. I love it. All right, so I said that the uh, leopard had just killed a woman. Uh, we're going to kind of skip that part because there was nothing um, sufficient that happened in the story. Oh, okay. So we're going to skip a little bit ahead to uh, a few days later. Okay. Okay. So he was he was about to leave and go back to Ninatal. Um, he's now going to he's he's stayed an extra few days. Okay. So, well, uh, that's where we're going to start right now. Okay. Okay. So a few days later, Jim got noticed that the actual man-eater had recently killed another cow. Uh, Between these days, Jim received cyanide poison capsules from the government. Why? To poison the leopard. Oh. Uh, Jim actually, he hated using this tactic, but he was growing desperate at this this point in time. Uh, He later... So, yeah, he's got cyanide on him now. He later found the cow, or what was left of it, and put the poison in the dead cow's body. Put the capsules in the dead cow's body. Like I said, he really didn't like doing this. It's not Jim's way, but he did it. Uh, The next morning, he visited the cow and found that the leopard had fed on it. Oh. Jim thought for sure this would kill the man-eater. Jim had been hunting the man-eater for weeks at this point, and Jim was tired. He was tired out of mind and body. Uh, uh, he knows his chance to um, leave without finding the man-eater, the man-eater's dead body would be criticized, but he felt he needed to. So he, know, he knows that the leopard ate the poison, ate uh-huh. the cyanide, um, and then he can't find it. But he, at this point, he's been there for weeks and weeks, and he feels the need to go back to Ninatal. And he does. Okay. He leaves. He leaves, and he says, you know, he's like, let me know if something else happens. I'll come back eventually if something else happens. But I kind of think the leopard's dead. If you go and look for the leopard's body, I'll give him a reward, blah, blah, blah. That makes sense? Okay, yeah. Okay. So Jim goes back to Ninatal and is absent for three months. He... Hangs out for three months. And he learns that somehow the man-eater survived the cyanide poison. 
Wow. Isn't that just survived everything? Yeah. He promised he would come back, but in that three-month time, the man-eater had killed ten more people. Wow. Man, so many missed opportunities already. Yeah. To kill this leopard. Um, I'm going to give a quick story that happened during in this three-month period while he was absent. Okay. And it's going to actually be a story of a survivor. Oh. not a, We're going to not do a deathy one right here. Okay. The man-eater forced open a door of a home with a mother and baby inside. Oh, gee. They were sleeping. The leopard grabbed the woman by the arm, trying to drag her outside. The brave woman fought back and was able to separate herself from the leopard. Wow. The leopard backed out of the home, and the woman quickly shut the door, and she ended up surviving. She did have some deep lacerations on her arm and wounds to her chest. Uh, The baby escaped with only a small head wound. Minor head wound. It it even went after it. It somehow did something to the baby. So that's good. That's so. Yeah. That's a survivor tale. But yeah, fight back, man. If an animal's going to attack, kill you, you got to fight back. Yeah. That's the only way. I know it's hard and you might not win, but you got to try. Yeah. So after, after the three months, Jim fulfilled his promise and goes back. He goes back to finish the job. Okay. So I have two more stories from the book of more missed opportunities. That's what oh. I want to share for um, the rest of the episode. Uh, and I'm shortening these stories as well. Just uh, tell you what you need to know. Uh, I mean, if you if you read the book, you can find out a lot more detail and stuff like that. But okay. uh, I'm and then now I'm like skipping two chapters as well to get to these stories. So there is a lot of stuff I'm not talking about. Okay. But Jim is, let's get to it, and the Jim is back at Ruta Prayag, and so is Ibbotson. They receive word that another person had been killed. Oh, gee. They then travel to where that kill took place. Uh, the victim was a man labeled as uh, the man of the house. Apparently, the leopard got him right outside his front door, grabbed him by the throat, dragged him a hundred yards, and then killed him. Oh, my goodness. It then dragged the ma- dragged the dead man 400 yards to a, a hollow surrounded by dense brush to eat. Gee. Jim and Ibbotson are showed where the man was dragged off, and they followed the trail, found his dead body. Oh. A portion of his shoulders, of or, sorry, of his, one of his shoulders, uh, his thigh had been eaten, as well as part of the throat and part of the jaw Gee. had been eaten. Leopard went wow. after the the jaw meat. I don't know. Wow. They get that tonsil meat. <laughs> uh, there were no trees in the area to set up uh, a hayrick if the leopard returned to the kiln. So once again, Jim poisoned the body. Okay. Which is I, which is something I didn't think that Jim would do. Is yeah. Poison a dead human body. Yeah. I was yeah. a little taken back by that because I, I remember him. I swear I remember him talking about it in a previous episode. He how he did it, but he hated doing it. Okay. But he didn't mention that in this book. Oh. How he hated doing it. But so he yep, using a dead body as bait. Oh, interesting. So yeah, once again, uh, Jim goes to the cyanide poison. Mm-hmm. Jim puts cyanide at the three places where the leopard had where the leopard had already eaten. So the thigh shoulder and neck area. Okay. Yeah. Using human bait. Wow. Uh, Jim and Ibbotson laid on top a hill about 400 yards away, waiting for the leopard to return to eat the rest of its kill. They couldn't see the dead man. Uh, they used basically for bait, but heard a uh, kakar, also What's... known as the barking deer. Huh? They're a very strange deer that oh. literally sound like a dog. Oh, interesting. Kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, it's a prey for the leopards, but and it's a big local animal there. Uh, okay. And they they heard it barking, and the deer are a good indicator when a predator is around. Just like, okay. you know, birds and monkeys do that too. Yeah. So this, this deer does that as well. Then two hours later, it started barking loudly again. So the leopard was back on its kill, and they couldn't see it eating it for that two-hour period. Okay. Jim figures it 
had to have eaten the poison again, right? Wow. Two hours later, Jim moves closer to where the leopard was eating the dead man. He was able to get close enough to hear the leopard moving. He hears the leopard uh, lapping up water, drinking water. Jim, but he can't see it, but he can hear it. Jim thought the leopard must be poisoned, right? You would think. Yeah. But the leopard took off before Jim ever even saw it. Jim didn't have much experience with cyanide, didn't know how much to use, anything like that, and didn't know how long it would take to kill. Okay. Well, Jim finds the remainder of the dead man, which the leopard had just eaten out of, eaten from. Okay. And it must have eaten the cyanide. The next day, Jim and Ibbotson gather men and go looking for the leopard, hoping to find a dead leopard body somewhere. A half mile from where Jim had heard it is a small cave. And at the entrance, Jim finds scratch marks as well as a toe from the dead man. Like, like <laughs> part showing... of a toe. He finds a, the toe of the dead man that the oh leopard was eating. Goodness. I don't know how that happened, but there's a toe oh. by the entrance of the cave, along with some scratch marks. Yeah, I think the leopard might be in there. Yeah. So that's what that's what Jim thinks, and uh, everyone. So people gather stones and they seal off the cave, the the entrance to the cave. They tried that before. Yeah, <laughs> they sure did. Uh, not the first, yeah, like I said, not the first time the leopard has been in a situation like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember last time it was located in a cave for five days, and then right when the entrance opened, it jumped out and ran through five hundred people. And was yeah. able to escape. So uh, the next day, they moved the stones and placed a wire around the entrance. Oh. Maybe they could see it if okay. they moved the stones, right? Yeah. Uh, Jim and others waited outside, and they waited for a long time. Ten days. Gee. Ten days. And I'm sure they took turns and all. Uh, but yeah, ten days they waited. Each day, uh, their hopes went up that the leopard was dead inside. But they still didn't go in, like, looking for it. Oh, that, was, okay. that was too much, I guess. But um, for this ten days, no news of the man-eater came from any villages. Okay. On the tenth morning, Jim went to the cave and received word from Ibbotson. A woman had been killed in a village five miles away. Oh my goodness. For some reason, the cyanide didn't work. Maybe it's outdated. (laughs) (laughs) You guys sent me expired cyanide. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) For some reason, the cyanide didn't work and... Another entrance from the cave must exist that they were able oh. never that they were that they looked for one but they were well, they never didn't. able to find one. It oh. could the leopard could have dug out. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But the man eater escapes again. Oh wow! This thing is Houdini. Yeah. Jim then says in the book that he understands why the local people of the area associate this man eater as a supernatural spirit. As <laughs> leopard, something else, huh? Yeah. For real. I want to do one more missed opportunity story, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. But uh, Jim learns of the woman that had been killed while watching the cave. Uh, he then tra- Him and Ibbotson then traveled to that latest kill. Once arriving, he was told of how the woman was killed. The woman was just outside her door when the leopard attacked. The leopard dragged her a hundred yards... Uh, it let go, and they had a violent struggle. The woman Ooh. put up a fight, but the leopard won and killed her. She had been screaming, and others heard her screams, but nobody went to help. They were too oh. afraid. Too afraid of the evil spirit. Gee. That's really what they thought. Oh. The leopard then dragged her an additional 200 yards away. Uh, no drag marks, but there was a blood trail. That was fairly easy to follow. Uh, Jim Ibbotson and company find the woman. It was a 70-year-old woman. She put up a fight, I guess, but uh, they found her naked and partially eaten in a ravine. Oh, gee. So I really need to condense what happens for the rest of this story here. Jim goes into a really great detail, but I'm just going to tell you what you need to know. Okay. After finding the woman's body, Jim uses his detective skills and uh, makes up a plan 
a very similar plan to the one earlier where he sets up some booby traps. Okay. But he's got a couple, like, he's got three booby traps he's going to set up. Oh, okay. So he and Ibbotson set up another gin trap. They poison the body with cyanide again. Mm. Use the dead woman as, as bait, not yeah. live bait, dead bait, but, you know, human yeah. bait. And they set up more gun traps tied with a fishing line. Okay. I think that's cool. I don't know why, but just setting up a gun trap with fishing yeah. line, it's pretty badass. But they tried the uh, fish. They tied the fishing line to the body of the dead woman. So if the leopard tugged on it in the proper direction, it would set off the guns. Okay. Jim, uh, in the book, goes into great detail how he sets it up. Uh, too much detail for us to cover. But they make their Home Alone style traps, and it all appeared to look very good to them. They were like, "This is some good booby traps, man." Nice. Uh, it's a deathy booby trap is what they're doing. Uh, there wasn't an efficient tree close enough to climb up so they could s- uh, set up for a good shot. Uh-huh. So they set up in a tree a few hundred yards away. It's now dark and they wait. Shortly after dark, it began, it began to rain. This worried Jim that the rain would cause their traps to malfunction. Uh, maybe like last time. Well, he was worried that the, uh, yeah, the rain could uh, prevent the gun traps from going off or set them off and oh. fire the gun and the leopard's not going to come if a gunshot was right there. Yeah. And also he was worried that a, a puddle might be forming in the gin trap. Oh. Um, but then as they're sitting in the hayrick in the tree a few hundred miles away, they heard a loud, savage roar coming from the trap. Wow. The gin trap had gone off. Very similar to when they got the wrong leopard they caught months ago. Okay. Uh, both Jim and Ebbotson exit the tree and move towards the traps. But something is irking Jim. The last leopard they caught in the gin trap continuously roared. Uh-huh. This, but... Right now, they only heard that one loud roar, and it it has there hasn't been any previous or existing roars after that. Jim tells Ibbotson this, and uh, Ibbotson replies, "You are a rotten pessimist, Jim." (laughs) Oh, gee. (laughs) I don't know why. I thought that was a good line. That's a funny line. Uh, They get close and light up with the lantern and the, the the electric light they have. They look at the gin trap. Which had gone off. No leopard attached. Oh. They also see that more of the woman had been eaten. Oh, wow. Remember, there was cyanide in there again. and But the leopard has taken off. It's okay. gone. It's still nighttime, so there's nothing they can do at this point. So they can't see. So Jim and Ibbotson decide to call it a night. They go back to their um, hayrick and the tree. And they sleep, take get a few hours rest until okay. morning to figure out what to do after that. After a cold, very cold night of sleeping uh, in the tree stand, it's now morning. They wake up and the men, their men come to join them. And they have some breakfast and some tea. Of course, they're British. They, they, uh. Jim's always talking about tea, too. <laughs> uh, they then go back to the trap to figure out what happened. Uh, Jim does some of his... Detective work. What he believes happened is like unbelievable. Oh yeah. So, want me to tell you? Yeah. Jim deduces that the leopard came from the direction which they believed it would. It got to the women's the woman's body and dragged her just a little in the opposite direction they wanted, which oh. gave slack to the fishing line, so the guns never went oh. off. Okay. Well. There's one tra- one thing it avoided right there. The leopard began eating. And remember, they poisoned the body with cyanide. Uh-huh. The leopard ate around the areas of poison. Oh. Totally avoiding the cyanide. It, it, might, be, it might be able to... This is the third time that they've used cyanide on it. Uh-huh. It might know what cyanide is now. Oh. And be able to see the capsules and be like, nope. That, okay. that was not good stuff. I don't want that anymore. Yeah. So it's, now it's avoided two of the three booby traps they've set. Wow. 
After eating its fill, the leopard left to seek shelter from the rain. Uh, they still had the gin trap, though, and it does go off. So what happened to, with the gin trap? Well, the gin trap, while it was being carried to where they placed it the, that last the morning before, uh-huh. the men, it's an 80 pounds, so they were carrying yeah. it. And while they were carrying it to where they were going to um, place it, well, they dropped it. One of the sharp teeth of the trap was broken off. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you see where I'm going, right? Yeah. Just so happens, when the leopard set off the trap with its hind leg, it got shut right where that missing tooth was. Oh, my goodness. It created a gap that the leopard was able to maneuver out of and get out with no real injury. Wow. Because they dropped it in that one tooth of the trap was gone oh my Uh, it probably had a sore leg but gee if that tooth would have been there and didn't get broken off it would for sure have been caught wow gone right through the leg and it would be caught in the trap isn't that the coincidence like that's amazing yeah the the trap only had a tuft of the leopard's hair and a little bit of skin caught in it. Oh my goodness. So it was just a small, small nonchalant wound for the leopard. Wow. When it should have been like one of the, right before the lethal blow. Wow. It's miraculous. A miraculous yeah. escape. This is the Houdini leopard. This is crazy. Like it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. But that's what Jim deduces. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I'll buy it, but damn. <laughs> This is a Houdini leopard. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. Get this. Jim found some pug marks and followed them. After seeing no leopard in the trap, he followed them. Well, the pug marks actually <laughs> lead up to where they spent the night. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in the tree. The pug marks were real close nearby where wow. they went afterwards. Uh, luckily, the, the leopard was full. Its stomach was full, or else maybe it would have gone after Jim and Ibbotson. <laughs> crazy, huh? That is crazy. Super crazy. Uh, and I'm going to end the story, or, or this second part of the story, with a quote from Jim that really embodies this part of the story, okay? Uh-huh. This is a quote from the book, directly. I need not tell those of you who have carried a sporting rifle in any part of the world that all of these Many repeated failures and disappointments so far from discouraging me only strengthened my determination to carry on until that great day or night came when having discarded poisons and traps, I would get an opportunity of using my rifle as rifles were intended to be used to put a bullet truly and accurately into the man-eater's body. Oh my goodness. So even with all these failures and all this time he spent there, he's he's ready, he's wanting to continue. Wow. A really incredible part of the story, I think. Uh, it's amazing how this leopard has avoided death. Yeah. Maybe it is an evil supernatural spirit. Jeez. But you can see why they would believe that. Yeah. And they're very superstitious people, especially back then. And that's just how their culture is. and uh, So they would believe that. And it makes sense with all these escapes. It's it's wild. That is, I love it. Wow. It's good stuff, huh? Yeah. But that is going to wrap up part two of the story. Uh, I hope you and everyone enjoyed this part of the story. I know I did. This is interesting stuff. Yeah. The Houdini leopard. Wow. Uh, next episode, we will have the conclusion to the story. Uncover how Jim actually... I mean, spoiler alert, we all knew that, but the Jim, <laughs> Jim does kill the man-eater eventually. Uh, it's a great finish that we will get out as soon as possible. Uh, it's a real shot in the dark. Oh. Yeah, a little forewarning. Uh, this episode covered 100 pages of the book. I condensed 100 wow. pages in this. so We have like 80 pages left for the next okay. episode, and there is plenty there, so look forward to that. Okay. Uh, Dave, we have a couple shout-outs to give. Oh. First, a shout-out to Nelskins. Nelskins. From Canada. So they had some uh, nice things to say, and apparently I have a captivating voice. Nice. 
I've also we've also had a review that says I have a sexy voice. So either or. <laughs> Captivating and sexy. Yeah, then and then they also said I should be able to pronounce some other things better. By <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and also, we want to thank seven 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 dollar sign seven 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 dollar sign. They said they love us, but we also have been taking forever putting out episodes. Uh, Definitely fair. Yeah. And that's all my fault. I will do my best to start putting out more episodes, I promise. I already know what we're going to cover after the we conclude the Jim Corbett story. Oh, okay. We're going to do maybe a two-parter on uh, weird and bizarre animals. Okay. So, like, some of the weirdest ones. Uh, I've got a couple in mind. I'll, I'll tell you next, next episode. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. And a quick announcement. If you enjoy hearing about animal attack stories and want, maybe you want more, you can't get enough. Well, we made some friends with a fairly new podcast called Tooth and Claw, True Stories of Animal Attacks. Oh. Not a bad name. Uh, I recently found their show kind of out of nowhere, and it was like, this looks kind of familiar. <laughs> uh, I listened to a, uh, an episode or a couple episodes, and I enjoyed it. So I messaged them on Instagram, and we are now friends. Nice. I figured it might be fun to make, might as well make friends with them yeah. and uh, do some cross promotions. Okay. You know, they plug us, we'll plug them. I have no problem with that. So definitely go and give them a listen. It, it's good stuff. They cover the Lions of Sabo oh. like we do, and they cover a bunch of other bear attack stories are a okay. big one for them. They did a cassowary episode. Uh, there's lots of different things. It's it's similar to us, but different at the same time. Okay. And they have like they have three people, but yeah, it's similar but different. Same, same, but different. Yeah. And um, yeah, tooth and claw. So be sure to go check them out. And I told you the craziest thing. Let's. Uh, I listened to an episode, and one of them said that he was in. Where else? The exact same city as us, Salt Lake City. <laughs> what are the freaking odds of that? Yeah. Uh, we cover the same type of stuff and in the same city. Yeah. Crazy coincidence. Yeah. It's that's the craziest thing I've heard in a long time. Like, yeah. what are the odds of that? Uh, apparently, he, he was only he's only here temporary, but still, yeah, that's where he was. He has an, had an apartment. And I was like, that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Salt Lake City, the capital of animal attack podcasts. <laughs> you should put that on the flag or something. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's kind of cool, and it's a. Uh, it was like I'll, I'll consider like healthy competition. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, ooh, I want it to be like the Monday Night Wars. Do you know what I'm t- with wrestling? <laughs> yeah. And like, one of us is WCW, one of us is WWE. That's yeah. how I've got it going in my mind. So nice. you play off each other, steal ideas from each other. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. I just I think it's fun. So uh, I'm glad that we made friends with them. So uh, yeah. go check out Tooth and Claw, definitely. Uh, but Dave, if any listeners want to get a shout out of their own what is something they can do go to itunes apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to subscribe rate review give us five stars say something you like about the show really helps us gain more attention gain more listeners if you really want to help us out you you know you don't want to miss this opportunity to to donate some money we've been ghosted by um, not having enough funds for this (laughs) podcast help us out a little bit there just even just give us your little trappings from the couch. Just send them our way. That'd really help us out. <laughs> you're so good at those. The missed opportunity. Perfect. Dave, you're awesome. But yes, you can um, donate to the show. Uh, on, you can find us on PayPal uh, by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com or on Venmo. You can send it to my personal account. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Matthew-Hamilton-51. And uh, if you need to look it up, all the information is in the description below. Also, we still have t-shirts. T-shirts. Uh, I'm gonna order more. God, that bear shirt it was great. Oh, we, the bear we shirt. You have two now. What did yeah. we say? Eat salmon. Eat salmon. Hibernate. hibernate repeat. repeat. That's, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> if you would like that type of t-shirt, we could do that. Yeah. That's a hey, good... yeah. Give us some. Let us know. Put it on the on Facebook or Instagram. Whether it's good or not. Whether you guys. I like really it. like that. Eat salmon. Hibernate. Repeat. Yeah. We might make a shirt out of that now. <laughs> With a little force of nature on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. So let us know if you would like. That shirt, because if you, we get some people that say they want it, we'll be like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Um, but we also have our other t-shirts, which are really cool, too. Oh, yeah. So I'll definitely check those out if you want them. We, they are $24 uh, plus shipping and handling. Uh, if you would like one, we have pictures on our Instagram and Facebook on it. 
But if you'd like one, just send us a message. Um, we don't have any oh. real... It's just easier for us to do it this way, personally. Yeah. So send us a message. Say you want one, I will personally send it and um, tell, that, tell you the price. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. We've done it before, so it's really easy to do. And, you know, like I said, if uh, anybody is an artist and wants to draw me a cool saber tooth cat skull tattoo, that would be yeah. cool. Actually, I'm kind of like thinking like a half sleeve on my arm full of animal stuff. There you go. I, I, I want a little sea turtle in there. And <laughs> I don't know. I just like some cool stuff. I don't know if that's going to mix with the saber tooth, though. You'll put I that on care. the other shoulder. <laughs> I'll put it on the other one. Put it like there right you go. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get some cool animal tattoos. So if anybody's an artist, send them my way. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, and also, to all of our listeners, feel free to contact us if you ever want to tell us a cool animal-related story of you or someone you know. Or if you want to suggest an episode idea, do you want to ask a question or say hi? You can email us or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, also, help us grow by recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on every platform you need to be on. So do that for us as well. Uh, yeah. Dave, do you have anything else, Dad? I'm good. I think I got everything out as well. So we've got to ask, let's take it to Professor Cheetor. Gentlemen, I sure do hope that Jim gets the stick out of his arse as soon and finally takes down this leopard. Ugh, I truly can't believe it enjoys human meat so much. If I could, I would offer him a fine fillet from a gazelle or perhaps a wildebeest, anything over that ghastly human meat. Wow, well, I don't know how human meat tastes, so maybe it is <laughs> <Maybe> ghastly. <laughs> <laughs> Take your word for it. Well, I, I have on good authority, he, he will take care of that leopard this next episode. Okay. Part three, coming soon. This is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends, be a part of building us up, and we will see you next time. Bye.